Uh, do we need to note that we have a guest later in the show? Ben? We, we probably should. Is it? Okay. So we have a guest later in the show. Shouldn't we say who the guest is now? Adam J. Morris of Lone Star Vault. Okay. Good morning and welcome to episode 297 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from BaseballProspectus.com, the first podcast of the 2013 postseason. Uh, I'm Sam Miller in wherever I live. I don't think I've ever said where I live. <laughs> Not since you moved, no. Not since I moved. So I'm, well, let's keep that secret. Uh, <laughs> just, just so I have the option. Uh, and in Tucson, Scottsdale, where are you? Phoenix. Phoenix, Arizona. Ben Lindbergh. Ben, how are you? I'm okay. We took a day off, and no one, no one complained. Not one person Not complained. Not one tweet. No. <laughs> my my post on Facebook that we were taking a day off got several likes. People liked, <laughs> people <laughs> liked that we were taking a day off because I spun it as we are ending the week on a multiple of five, which is a big, big part of the reason why we did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so you want to explain, have you explained why you're in Phoenix? Do you want to explain uh, why you're in Phoenix? Sure. Do you want to talk about it? If you have explained, do you want to just talk about how it's been? Have I explained? I don't think I have. I don't know. Uh, I might have mentioned it. I am attending scout school. Uh, so I've been here since Sunday and the program runs through next Friday. I'll be going home next Saturday. Uh, and pretty much the whole time I'm here, I will be learning to scout, at least theoretically. For those who don't know, the Major League Scouting Bureau runs this this two-week course every fall in Phoenix, also every other year in the Dominican Republic, uh, and representatives from from mostly from Major League teams. Uh, most of the people who are at Scout School are sponsored or recommended by a Major League team, and a lot of them are scouts or have done some scouting or are you know maybe video guys, minor league coordinators, you know, some sort of official with teams already. Some people are looking to get jobs with teams. Uh, Most of them are aspiring scouts or player development people. I think I'm the only writer person here. Um, And it's just kind of a intensive course, just a immersion course in scouting. Uh, So for the first full day here, we sat in a classroom and for like nine hours or so, we, we basically did a a full scouting primer, um, kind of all of the, the scouting terms that I have heard over the years, but couldn't necessarily couldn't necessarily define um, or couldn't really fully explain were explained to me. And hopefully I will retain some of it. Um, so for, for the first time tomorrow, we're going out to a game and there are lots of instructs games around here and college games and soon AFL games. So we will be going to basically a, a game a day and watching some players and coming back and talking about it. Uh, and I, I expect that it will be much, much harder to actually spot players doing the things that we talked about. Because when we, when I heard people talking about them and they explained what those things are, it, it sounds like it should be pretty easy to spot those things, but it, it won't be. <laughs> I know it won't be. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to, to, trying out the, the stuff that I was taught today and also nervous because I know it won't go smoothly at first. Boy, when you told me you were going to scout school, I thought you were going to be moving up from Tiger Cubs to Weebelows. Because uh, you're very young looking. Oh, I get it. Um, yeah, all right. Uh, so, yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, the, the, that was a, I had to wait a very long time to get that joke in, just, <laughs> just so you know. Uh, 
yeah, no, the, the, the game moves so fast, you know? I mean, that's the yeah. thing is like the things happen so fat, like, like the, the inch that matters is mm-hmm. just, it's, it only exists in reality for like a half second it, for like way less than a half a second. You have way less than a half a second for the observable event to actually exist. Yeah, it's, it's intimidating. Uh, and we, we broke down all these different, you know, pitchers, arm actions and fielders, arm actions and footwork and all of this like complicated stuff that when you look at a still picture in a presentation, it seems easy to spot. Um, but when you're actually supposed to be watching everyone on the field and, and looking at what their pitchers are doing and also how they're delivering the pitches and what the hitter is doing, I, I imagine it will be pretty overwhelming for me. Uh, so I'll just do the best I can, I guess. Um, just hoping to, to pick up as much as I can while I'm, while I'm here. I don't expect to, to be a experienced scout at the end of the program. Um, all right, so uh, you also um, have been thinking about baseball that is being played on TV. You're, mm-hmm. um, you wrote the preview of the uh, wild card play-in game. Is that mm-hmm. what, the wild card play-in game? Is that the official term? I don't know. I've heard that term. I don't know term. either because I, I wasn't sure how to capitalize it. So mm. if, it's call, if it's officially called the wild card play-in game, I think you would, you would capitalize all those words, but I think we went with just wild card capitalized and then yeah. play in play in lowercase. But but then if if wild I don't even know if wild anyway. So um, <laughs> that's going to happen today. Real mm-hmm. baseball, real postseason baseball is going to start uh, today, yes. eight o'clock um, tonight at PNC Park. So um, uh, I guess pick a winner. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, we don't we don't have a lot of practice making predictions like this, especially for a single game. Um, and I, but you you did find kind of significance I did. To, yeah, to this I was surprised that I because we've talked in the past about how hard it is to find, you know, looking at a matchup between two teams and trying to pick out some reason why one team would be favored against that other team more than their just record or their underlying stats would suggest. And I feel like the Reds and the Pirates are not not wildly dissimilar teams talent level wise. I mean, they had very similar records and very similar head to head records and, and even their like third order record was not that different. So fundamentally not, not really mismatched teams, but I feel like this, this particular matchup seems to me favors the the pirates pretty strongly. Um, and I wonder, and, and you can all go read uh, my my longer version of what we're going to talk about at Baseball Prospectus. It's up now. Um, but I wonder whether I managed to persuade you in that preview that that the Pirates have an edge here. And I think there are there are a few reasons why the Pirates have an edge here. Uh, and we did a, a Pakoda simulation, just just one team's players projected stats versus the other teams, not even matchup, just kind of their, their true talent, how many runs we think they would score or allow. Uh, and Pakoda gives Pittsburgh a very slim edge, 52.2% chance of winning. Is that just because home field? Yeah. Uh, and really, I guess if you took away the home field, that would probably mean that Pakoda likes the Reds more, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, I think the, the difference is more significant than that. I didn't really put a number on it, but I think all of the factors that you can point to seem to go in favor of the Pirates. You have home field, of course, uh, and 
And the home field in this case might be compounded by the fact that Liriano has kind of a, a, an especially large home field advantage of his own, if you believe in that. Um, but he had don't. a Well, he had a gigantic home road split this year. Um, I'm trying to look for the numbers. It was like 1.47 ERA versus 4.33 ERA. And it's kind of a kind of a trend. I mean, he's been historically a, a worse pitcher on the road, more so than than most pitchers are worse on the road. Um, I don't I don't think the the actual gap is is anything close to what it was this season. But I guess I would buy the fact that maybe it's a little larger than the typical players. I don't, I don't know. Statistically, maybe you couldn't even say that. Um, I remember I did an article a few years ago on Wandy Rodriguez because he had a huge home road split at the time over a, a pretty big chunk of innings. And since then, I don't think it's been as extreme. Um, so I don't put too much stock in that, but but maybe. Maybe it's a little extra edge. Maybe Liriano really is more comfortable at home for some reason. And even if not, they have the regular home field advantage edge. And I feel like Liriano is the, just the perfect matchup against Cincinnati um I mean for one thing he is he is just a very good pitcher all of a sudden uh this season and just kind of matchup stats wise he is a lefty and just extraordinarily successful against lefties this season I think it was one of the best uh versus lefties lines that any starter has has ever produced it was his his true average uh, against left-handed or you know left-handed hitters' true average against him this season was much lower than what NL pitchers as a whole hit this season. Only only our man Koji Oihara uh, held lefties to a lower true average than Liriano did this year, and because the Reds' three best hitters are all lefties, uh, Vado, Bruce, and Chu. And because Chu in particular is just has been historically kind of helpless against lefties, he's just not a not a productive player at all when he's facing left-handed hitters. The fact that they have a, a huge split in that their their left-handed hitters have hit way better than their right-handers right-handed hitters have this season, and there's also the, the fact that they are are a ground ball hitting team, and Liriano is a ground ball pitcher. And there's a there's like a I don't know what you would call it. It's not a platoon advantage, but it's it's a kind of a batted ball platoon advantage. When a when a ground ball pitcher faces a ground ball hitter, the ground ball pitcher has an advantage, just as a, a same sided pitcher does against a same sided hitter. It's not as large as the platoon split, but it's something. And so you have a, a ground balling lefty against the team with the highest offensive ground ball rate in I think the major leagues or at least the national league. And three really good lefty hitters who will be sort of neutralized to some extent. And then there's also the fact that they're bunched together in the lineup uh, for most of this season, at least. Those those three lefties have hit in the top four spots in the order, and that kind of makes them vulnerable to to matchup stuff too. So if you wanted to like let Liriano go through the top of the order a couple times, and then just you know. The, the Pirates have a couple good lefties, uh, Wilson and Watson, that they could just throw at those guys and really never have them face a right-handed hitter in this game. 
Um, so having them all grouped together in the wildcard game when you can set the roster for just that one game and stack it with lots and lots of relievers, uh, I feel like makes them more more vulnerable in this game than the Pirates, who have a more well-balanced lineup, if not necessarily a more productive one. Um, so all of those things, and and I guess you can throw in managers there if you want to. Um, Clint Hurdle has been very aggressive with using relievers this year. His the Pirates' starters were the only starters to average less than or fewer than 90 pitches per start this year. He went to the bullpen early and often this year, which maybe could be why some of their relievers look kind of gassed at this point in the season. But you figure he won't stick with a starter too long in a game where you can go to the bullpen. And then you have Baker, who at least most of the time seems to refuse to use Chapman on the road unless it's unless it's a save situation. So I don't know whether you would, you'd end up in an elimination wildcard game with a tie game on the road and having Alfredo Simon go three innings or something when, with Chapman in the bullpen, but that's, that's maybe a possibility. So all of those things together for me um, make me think that the Pirates surprise season will, will continue past tonight. Have I yeah. convinced you? Uh, yeah, sure. I, I think that the uh, I I really like the way that it's set up for them to use Liriano, uh, you know, basically for 22 batters. Like I, I like the idea that you know in these one game playoffs, managers should you know get almost get away from the notion of the starter because mm-hmm. it's no longer the kind of season long slog that makes you get as many innings out of guys as possible as you possibly can. And I always want to you know see see managers be just really aggressive and you know not let a guy even necessarily go through the lineup twice or more than twice. But with Liriano, it's it, it, assuming that things kind of work out well as you as you note, uh, you know he can go basically 22 batters, get through Bruce for the third time, and you know that if that takes him through the fifth or something like that, um, you know you're basically not extending your pitcher too far. You're saving you know five to seven seven batters that otherwise you know your tired starter might be pitching you can go to the bullpen that much earlier and then like you say the seventh or the eighth comes around you've got the lefty specialists you've got your you know your 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 melanson in the you know in the later innings and so uh it does seem like if things work out it's kind of perfectly set up where uh they get to throw their 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 um their best their best options at the reds only three good hitters without um you know without having to compromise too much so it it does it does it does line up nicely so high how high will you go then in pittsburgh's win probability in this one game 53 and a quarter (laughs) really you won't go higher no i'll go i i wouldn't go they've got home field advantage so you gotta give them 54 at least right uh uh, no i mean pakota says that they're they're an inferior (laughs) team so i mean Picot also doesn't know that that Johnny Cueto has had two starts since missing most of the season, and those two starts were against the Astros and the Mets. Although he he looked fine, but you know maybe that's that's somewhat worrisome. Um, so how how high will you really go? I I, I would be hesitant to go higher than sixty for mm-hmm. for I mean I would be extremely hesitant to go higher than sixty really for mm-hmm. for one game between two teams that are essentially even mm-hmm. uh, even with the matchup. So uh, you know I don't know fifty eight. And four fifths. Mm-hmm. No, that's too high. Fifty-seven, uh, fifty, fifty-seven, and negative one tenth. <laughs> all right. Well, all of this analysis might look 
really stupid like an inning into the game. And that's the pitfall of doing analysis about who will win a single game. But we, mm-hmm. we did it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we, now we will have a guest, uh, and then we will finish the show. All right, we're going to talk to Adam J. Morris now. Adam is the, uh, I guess, the proprietor of Lone Star Ball, the wonderful Texas Rangers blog on SB Nation. Uh, and he's going to talk to us about the Rangers, who um, are in the news for like 12 more seconds and <laughs> not anymore for quite a long time. Adam, how are you? Oh, all things considered, not bad. I'm surprised. Find myself surprisingly chill about the fact that the Rangers' season just ended. So you know, it's 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 pretty much 180 degrees from last season, where I was angry and bitter and refused to watch any more baseball the rest of the year. So I'm 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 at peace. Well, when we when we invited you on, we didn't know whether we would be talking to a happy Adam or a sad Adam. It was before before the game started. Um, so it sounds like sounds like neither, I guess. But uh, Sam was probably about to, to ask you why the difference in your mood from last year to this year. Not not actually what I was oh, going to ask. Well, that was a more perceptive version of whatever you were going to ask. I was going to. Uh, it's it's it it feels that the feeling I get from the uh, from the internet and and really partly from watching the sort of mentions that you're getting on the internet and the replies that you're giving is that a lot of people are seeing this not as just a bad season or a bad ending to a, a disappointing season maybe, but like kind of this is this is like the end of a Rangers uh, golden age and. Uh, to some degree, this has been a little bit of a golden age the last four years. They've been one of the best-run teams uh, in baseball. This is their best four-year stretch in franchise history by a considerable margin. It's been a team you could really be proud of and hopeful about. And there's a sense I sort of feel like they're on the decline now and that maybe this golden age is, is ending without a World Series. Do you consider that to be uh, like kind of unnecessary Texan hyperventilating at this point? Well, you know, I, I think if you were going to say that there was an end of an era, it was after 2012. Um, you know, at the end of the 2012 season, you had the awful collapse, the, you know, the memorable Josh Hamilton dropping the ball, Ryan Dempster having a meltdown and the after giving stake to a big lead in the final game of the season that cost them the, the division uh and then you know in the wild card game the very first batter of the game michael young booting a ball and the bats never getting going such that you know the rangers ended up you know getting knocked out of the wild card race when people were talking about him as the best team in baseball for much of the season you know, Josh Hamilton's gone from that team. Mike Napoli's gone from that team. Michael Young is gone from that team. You know, three, you know, the, the departure of three major players, everyday players with Michael Young, somebody who really ran the clubhouse for the last 10 years. And so to the extent there was an end of an error, I feel like 2012 was the end of that error. 2013, there was an ongoing joke on Lone Star Ball about how it was a transitional season, how, you know, after they, the Rangers had all these irons in the fire and it was like they're uh, in the off season and then they ended up, it was like a game of musical chairs where suddenly John Daniels was the guy standing there who didn't make a move, who didn't land Justin Upton or Zach Greinke or James Shields or uh, Joey Bautista, who he'd been after, or Edwin Encarnacion 
Stallone or Giancarlo Stanton. All these moves he had out there, none of them panned out. And so what you're seeing this year, you saw you saw a, a, a team that was bringing in some younger guys. Leonis Martin got put in, finally uh, was made an everyday player. Jerks and Profar got regular playing time. Martin Perez, who pitched tonight, and I, I feel like acquitted himself pretty well. You know, when Mart, uh, for the la- ever since it was announced that Perez was going to be pitching in a game 163, I was having flashbacks to Salomon Torres in 1993. And Perez, I feel like, handled himself really well and, and really you know pitched very well in the second half of the season i think you 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 had some guys like that younger pitchers who came up and and are younger players who showed that they were ready to contribute at the major league level and the guys that the rangers are losing this year for the most part are either role players like david murphy uh, nelson cruz could be back if the Rangers give him a qualifying offer, but still he's, he's a role player versus a, a, a star guys like Lance Berkman and AJ Persinski, who were just here on one year deals. I, you, you don't have the big wholesale changes that you had, for, I think from the end of last season. And really when you look at what the Rangers are going into heading into 2014, let's remember they, they missed their second best starting pitcher. They lost for the basically the entire year. Matt Harrison. I mean, Matt Harrison was a guy who was basically a four, four and a half win pitcher the last couple of years, gone for the entire season. They're going to have him back. They've got Hugh Darvish, who's probably one of the five best pitchers in the American League. They've got Derek Holland, who had a very solid season. They've got Martin Perez, who looks like he's ready to be at least a mid rotation starter. And you know they've got the 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 other guys out there. They've got a, a pretty good group in the infield. Uh, there's clearly some holes that need to be filled, but this is a team that looks like it's committed to being able to do up to 140, 150 million dollar payroll. They've got a farm system where they've still got pieces available where they can make trades to fill in some of those holes to the extent they do it, don't do it in free agency. I expect this team to be in the playoff hunting again next year and be a 90 plus win team in 2014. Far from being the end of an era, I think that this is potentially a situation where the Rangers are going into 2014 in a position to be more like the two, the, the strong 2010 to 2012 teams versus what was really the weakest team they probably had since 2008 or 2009 this year. I think, I think they're in a position to use this as a building year where they've developed some young players who can contribute. They've got a strong core in place, particularly with the rotation and they're in a position where, I think they can take a step forward in 2014 from where they are this year. And who will be managing that 2014 team, do you think? Ron Washington, no question. I mean, I, I didn't think he was going to get fired anyway, but uh, John Palmarosi said, John Daniel said after the game that there's no question Ron Washington will be back. Is that something that, that you and, and the Lone Star Ball community would approve of, or what's the what's the sort of general sentiment? Um, I bet if you did a poll, in fact, I'm probably going to do a poll um, sometime this week. Do you want Ron Washington back or not? My guess is going to be that a slight majority would say no, they want somebody different. And, you know, from my standpoint, you know, if you could get Joe Madden in here, 
you know, somebody, there's a handful of people where, yeah, if you could get somebody like that, okay, yeah, I, I'd say make the change. You know, the problem is that Ron Washington makes me crazy, makes a lot of Rangers fans crazy with a lot of what he does strategically that doesn't make sense to us. His incessant bunting, his getting locked into roles, his, you know, he had A.J. Pierzynski, who has a 298, batting, uh, 298 on base percentage, hitting fifth tonight against a lefty, you know, I, and stuff, stuff like that makes you crazy. But, you know, the thing is these players by all accounts love him, John Dan and when John Daniels and his front office, who I think have a reputation for being one of the best front offices in the game, one of the smartest in the game, have Ron Washington's back and say, this is the guy who we think is the right guy for this team. It says to me, there's things going on. A lot of the manager's jobs, we don't know, we can't see. And he's really good at those aspects of it. I have to believe or else these, you know, John Daniels and company wouldn't have his back as strongly as they do. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's a lot, the, the the internet baseball fans and the Twitter Twitter sphere and all that it's real easy for us to say oh why aren't you bringing Joe Nathan into the game with two on and two out in the eighth why are you saving him for a closing situation and, and I get that but you know at the same time I sit there and look at people you know especially baseball writers who aren't exactly known for their people people skills who seem to be just overly dismissing the importance of being me of the people managing aspect of this job and you know when when something i think back and is when elvis andrews's contract extension was announced at the beginning of this year both he and scott boris really spent a lot of time praising what ron washington did with elvis how ron washington taught elvis how he helped him become the player he is today, which is one of the really good young shortstops in the game. And yeah, you know, we as Rangers fans joke, oh yeah, he taught Elvis to bunt all the time and the incessant bunting he does with Elvis, you know, does drive us nuts. But when, when Elvis and when Elvis's agent are out there publicly, gratuitously seemingly praising Ron Washington for the role Ron Washington had in helping Elvis become the player he is today, that says something to me. So, you know, I, I, I'm okay with it. I, I, I'm okay with Ron Washington. It would be nice. And, you know, the stories are that J uh, Jackie Moore, his bench coach, is probably going to retire after this season. He's going to probably get somebody who's maybe a little more progressive as far as baseball strategy goes. And there's a bench coach, which will help him. But, you know, I'm. it's hard for me to see everything that this team had to overcome in 2013 for them to win 91 games and say somehow Ron Washington doesn't deserve any credit for that that they won 91 games despite ron washington and that's what a lot of people say and i just i don't know that i buy that so based on the amount of time uh i see you defending certain things as far as i can tell the average rangers fan thinks that uh ian kinsler sucks uh that you darvish is not a real winner that jerks and profar is already a big flop that uh john daniels perhaps needs to go and that ron washington needs to go um, and none of those seem to be things that you have much patience for, although maybe Washington is uh, the one that you maybe struggle with the most or at least, uh, you know, see both sides on a little bit. Um, but do you think there's anything structural about this team that has kept them from being even more successful over the past four years or that will get in the way of their next good run? You know, the, the biggest issue I see with this team is – 
you know, John Daniels has talked about he he models his model for what he wants the Rangers to be as the St. Louis Cardinals. He wants this to be a team that is a that is a playoff contender year in and year out. And that's a very admirable goal. I think that's what everybody wants to do. The problem with that is you sometimes find yourself in a situation where you're not really making the moves to win now, but you're also not making moves that fully commit to winning in the future. You know, you're sort of, and I think part of what John Daniels problem was this off season was not fully committing to either winning now or winning beyond 2013. Um, You know, there is the word hubris was used in regards to this front office and their belief that they were just going to call all the shots and end up getting whatever they wanted this off season. Um, the, 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 the problems that I've sometimes that I perceive sometimes with the decisions the front office sometimes make is that they're too, they seem like they're too smart for their own good. They, they, I find that they seem to be overthinking things or trying to outsmart themselves as a result of some of the moves. But, you know, by all accounts, this is, this is a very well-run organization there's been a little bit of dysfunction reportedly in the front office between John Daniels people and Nolan Ryan's people who don't necessarily see eye to eye. But, you know, I, I don't know that there's anything structurally about this organization that's hindering them and other than to the extent that there's a certain hesitance to give up prospects and to spend big, both in terms of financial commitments long term that would hinder the team and in terms of prospects to try to win now. Is they, they, I, I think I think some people would complain that the, John Daniels is more interested in building a team that's going to win 88 to 91 games every year for 10 years than a team that's going to really be a hardcore championship contender for a two or three year window. Is there any one move or non-move or tactical mistake that you look back on now or that you think will kind of stick in your craw over the winter that you'll think of now and then? When you end up in a, a tiebreaker game, it is it's so easy to imagine things having gone another way. If if one game had gone a different way, if someone had been called up earlier, or sent down earlier, or someone had been signed, or someone had been released, so many different things could have happened to to combine and produce a different outcome. Is there is there any one thing with hindsight that you look back on, or or maybe you even called it at the time that you wish had gone differently? You know, it's hard to say that um, it's hard to say that there's any one move. You know, even if they had won this, even if they had not been in the tiebreaker, they got to win the wild card game, and then they got to go through the ALDS. You know, you Darvish is hurting right now. There's some indications out there that he's physically not 100%, which is why he got yanked early from Sunday start. Adrian Beltre. I don't know if you saw him running the running, legging out that double, but you know, he's, he's obviously hurting. He hasn't been hitting for power the last couple of months, which I suspect is the result of his hamstrings. If you don't have your legs, you can't hit for power. There's a lot of guy, you know, if you Mitch Moreland, Mitch Moreland is playing first base against a left-handed pitcher because there's nobody else who can physically play first base for the team right now. I mean, it's, this is, this is a team that is dealing with that was dealing, went into the end of the season, dealing with a lot of injuries and a lot of problems such that 
it wasn't the most well positioned to make a really deep run. You know, anything can happen, but this wasn't a team where I thought, Oh God, if we just could have gotten to the playoffs, I know we could have gone deep. That being said, in retrospect, the biggest, you know, I've talked about this on Twitter a lot. The two biggest things to me that, that were the biggest blow this season was Matt Harrison missing the entire year, taking a four win pitcher out of your uh, uh, rotation and having to replace him with Justin Grimm and Nick, Nick Tepish and guys like that. And then number two, the fact that the Rangers got absolutely nothing from Lance Berkman mm-hmm. paid $10 million for Lance Berkman thinking he was going to be the guy to fill in for Lance John Hamilton in the middle of the lineup. And they got nothing Nothing, nothing, nothing from Berkman. And, and and so the one move in retrospect, you know, Mike Napoli, supposedly the Rangers were want, were willing to bring him back on a one-year deal after the three-year day. We didn't want to do 339 with him because they had the same problems about his hip that the Red Sox ended up having. But they were willing to give him a one-year deal and reportedly offered him more than what the Red Sox were offering. But they said, we can't commit. You're going to have to be a bench player. We can't commit to making you an everyday player because we want to give Mitch Moreland a shot at first base and we've signed Lance Berkman to be our everyday DH. In retrospect, if they bring Mike Napoli back rather than Lance Berkman, um, you know, that right there, they're probably, I don't know that they would have caught the A's. They at least would have been a lot closer to the A's and probably would have not been in a game 163. So the Nat, the, the decision to bring Nat, bring Berkman in rather than uh, Napoli probably is the tipping point there. All right. Well, uh, Adam, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, Lone Star Ball is uh, really, everybody should be following it. If you have any interest in the Rangers, it's a, it's a great blog. It's a great community. And, uh, you're a great follow on Twitter. So uh, thanks very much, and uh, maybe in a year and a few weeks we'll be talking about you for something else. Or maybe not. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Thank right. you. So uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another show, whatever episode that'll be. Uh, ben, are we doing email Wednesday this week? I guess uh, we're probably not. We might not be, but I don't know. You can send us emails anyway. Maybe we will. Yeah, if we don't do them tomorrow, we'll do them sometime. So. Or we'll just, like, read them and be amused. Uh, all right, so that's that.